Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, experts, tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast is brought to you by TennisTours.com. Thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate that you took the time to download today's show and give it a listen. I really hope that it's going to be helpful to you and give you some ideas and thoughts on how you can improve your tennis. That's always my number one goal here on the show. Before I get started with today's questions and answers, I want to thank a couple people in New York City. I was there this past Thursday and Friday. I was there at the matches on Friday. I got to see the Bryan Brothers win their third U.S. Open Grand Slam title. So I saw the the men's final, and I I also saw both women's semifinals. It was a great time. I want to send a special thank you out to A. Diallo on the forums at EssentialTennis.com. He was nice enough to show me around the city on Thursday, and he went to the, the matches with me on Friday and gave me a place to sleep. <laughs> so that I really appreciate that, ADL. I, I, I'm in your, uh, in your debt there for helping me out and showing me around. Uh, also, a shout out to Aaron and Ben, two other listeners that I met up with while I was there. It was great to meet both of you guys and, and speak with both of you. And I really appreciate having both of you as a listener in New York City. It was a great time. And today, the, the final is set to play after the rain. Today is Monday, and uh, unfortunately, the men's final was was put on hold due to weather yesterday. So I'm looking forward to seeing that match. I know the rest of you guys are as well. All right, let's go ahead and get to the show. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. All right, let's get to our first question, and it comes to us from Masa in Bloomington, Indiana. Masa is a 4.0 level player, and he wrote and said, Federer and Nadal are no doubt two of the best players in tennis history. Both of them have a straight arm forehand. What are the advantages and disadvantages of having a straight arm forehand or a bent arm forehand? Which one do you prefer teaching? Do you recommend this technique to average club players? All right, Masa, great question. And, and this is actually something that I have gone over in the blog that I write at EssentialTennis.com. You guys can go check that out. I don't update it as frequently as I would like. The podcast definitely takes precedence for me every week. But I, I do have an article in there about the straight arm versus bent arm forehand and uh, basically going to give the exact same thoughts and opinions right here on the show. So which one do I prefer or which one do I recommend? The answer to that is neither. I don't care <laughs> which one you use. And the reason for that is this isn't an essential part of becoming a good tennis player. And that's where the title for my website comes from is the the way that I teach and the things that I teach to my students and to you guys every week when I do the show are things that, in my opinion, are essential. They're necessary. They're things that you'd better you'd better be pretty good at, or you're not going to improve your game. And I like to focus on just the the basics, 
uh, essentially. And how do I know that this isn't an essential straight arm versus bent arm? How do I know that you know if you pick the wrong one, you're going to limit yourself as far as your ability and your your potential as a tennis player? Well, because players in the top fraction of one percent in the world. And that's what we're talking about here. You're talking about Nadal, Federer. I'm going to use another player as an example as well. We're talking about guys that that aren't in the top 1%. They're probably in the top 1% of the top 1% of tennis players in the entire world. When you look at the uh, USTA, which, which I think has something like 30 million members I, I might be I might be totally off on that, but I believe that's that's just what I heard recently. Millions and millions of members uh, that that are are a part of the USA, the United States Tennis Association, and you look at the the spread of players uh, from I, I I think it's from four point five above and above. Uh, we're we're into your top ten percent of tennis players in the United States, uh, four point five and above. 5.0 and above, we're talking about the top couple percentage points. I, I think it's around 4%, uh, 3 or 4% is 5.0 and above. Now, uh, myself, uh, as a 5.0 player, am not even close, not anywhere close to a professional player. And I'm talking, when I say professional player, I mean somebody who's like 500 in the world. The, a player at that level is going to crush me. Uh, I'm not... <laughs> I'd be happy to get a couple of games off of a player that's 500 in the world. And that that player is nowhere near a Federer or a Nadal type player who's in the top five, or well, I guess for those two, top three consistently over the last four or five years. Uh, so we're talking about a ridiculous level of player. And what the way that I know that what we're talking about here, straight arm versus bent arm, is not essential is because when you look at the top five players in the world, you see different players using different styles. Uh, as you pointed out, Massa, Nadal, and Federer both use a straight arm uh, style forehand. Djokovic, who's playing in the U.S. Open final today, uh, just beat Federer, uh, uses a, a bent arm forehand. Now, some of you out there might be saying, well, yeah, but Djokovic, um, you know, he's only got, does he have one one Grand Slam, I think? Wow, I, sh- I probably should have looked that up before the show started. I'm terrible with stats, but clearly he doesn't have nearly the success that Federer and Nadal have had. So I- I'm sure that some of you guys out there are saying, well, You know, obviously, straight arm forehand must be better then, right? Nadal and Federer both use it, and they both routinely crush Djokovic, or maybe not crush him, but at at the very least, they certainly have a winning record. So maybe straight arm forehand is better. No, that doesn't mean that it's any better or any worse. It just means that it's his style of swing. It's what has come naturally to him. And and so that's what he uses, is uh, he has a double bend in, in in his forehand. So... Because these top-level players use different strokes and are still, or not different strokes, but different styles, and are still able to get to the top five in the world, should tell you that it's not essential which one you use. Uh, These players are able to become extremely good using either one, and so it's not going to make you or break you either way. And, and so basically, when it comes to my teaching, I allow my students to feel for themselves something like this and then use what, com- what comes naturally to them. I have actually, 
uh, <laughs> thinking back, I, I don't, I'm pretty sure I've never actually talked about a straight arm versus a bent arm while teaching a lesson. Never. Not once. <laughs> and it's not because I don't know about it, and it's not because I don't understand it. I, trust me, I, I know plenty about of what is being taught online and, and not online. Uh, I keep up to date with, with these things. That, that article I wrote on straight arm versus bent arm um, was a, at least a year ago. It's, it's been a while now. Uh, but it's not something that's going to bump up the level of your game dramatically as opposed to other things. And I'm going to talk about what other things I have in mind uh, in, in just a minute. But uh, the, the only time that I will instruct a player to, to do something that doesn't come naturally is when it's something that is just wrong. And it's clearly a technique that's not going to serve them very well in the future. It's going to hold them back in the long run. Uh, there there are, are times that all of us have natural tendencies that aren't good technique. And it just won't make sense to continue using that type of swing or that type of footwork or whatever. So I'm not saying that you guys should go out there and just do whatever uh, comes natural to you. And that's going to be the best thing for you because that's not true. Uh, You guys need to make sure that you understand the fundamentals and you're performing them correctly. But straight arm versus bent arm is not a fundamental. And it's something that you guys can become very good players with either way. And I think your time is better off spent focusing on things that have a much bigger bearing in how good of a player you become. So some things that I think are essential to your forehand, Masa, I've got, let's see, five different things here that you should focus on because they're extremely important. Number one, the rotation of your body. This is something that many recreational players are very poor at. And, and these are things that are going to sound really obvious to you guys, especially to those of you who spend a lot of time researching on the internet, watching a lot of slow motion video, and filling your heads with instruction from like a dozen different online you know, tennis instructors. You're going to get a lot of stuff thrown at you. And everybody always says, well, th- you know, th- this is... This is super important. This is going to give you a world-class forehand. Uh, you know, make sure that you do this. And you'll hear 10 different tennis pros online say that and tell you 10 different things. And it can be kind of confusing. Well, let me submit to you guys that um, th- these five things I'm going to list here are most important. And you need to focus on these things. Anything outside of that, uh, until you become like a four or five player, really is not that important because when it comes down to it, the mistakes that recreational players make that truly hold them back are the basic things. So again, number one, rotation of your body, turning yourself to the side or at least your your core and your upper body and then rotating yourself back forward again, uh, pass through the point of contact. Number two, correct racket path for whatever type of shot you're trying to hit, whether you're trying to drive the ball relatively flat or hit slice or hit with topspin. It takes a different path of the racket, and you need to know, and and when I say path of the racket, that includes the the drop of the racket, uh, if you're hitting topspin or drive, uh, the lifting of the racket, the follow-through position, uh, the, the direction that the racket moves is extremely important, and you have to be good at performing that consistently, correctly, over and over again. Number three, correct angle of the racket face at contact. 
when you guys miss a shot long or, or into the net, very often it's due to the racket face being a little bit too open or a little bit too closed. And that simply means facing too, uh, too upwards or too downwards. Extremely important. Uh, correct use of the kinetic chain. For those of you who are looking for more power or more spin on your ground strokes, using the kinetic chain correctly is huge. And that simply means how you coordinate the use of your body. And I've talked about that on several podcasts. So I'm not going to go into depth on that right now. And number five, consistently swinging at a speed that's confident but not out of your control. Some of you guys listening consistently swing at a tentative pace and you swing scared and you don't make a very confident swing at the ball. That's not good. Others of you hit very aggressively over and over again and make a lot of unforced errors. You make some really sweet shots too, but you make a lot of mistakes. And, and so being able to swing at a consistent and confident tempo or speed is extremely important. If you put all five of those things together, the rotation of your body, path of the racket, uh, angle of the racket face, kinetic chain, and the speed of your swing, you put all five of those things together and do them all correctly, consistently, and you're going to be an awesome tennis player. Uh, and along the way, whether or not you use a bent arm or a straight arm on your forehand, I don't care. <laughs> And it's not going to be, make a huge difference one way or the other. You guys need to focus on what's most important to your game. And that's how you're going to make the biggest changes and the biggest improvements. And last thing I'm going to say on this topic before we move on, those five things that I, that I mentioned, every pro does those things. Not every pro uses a straight arm forehand. Not every pro uses a bent arm for, forehand. That's a style decision or a natural kind of choice or path that each player has decided to take. But those five things that I just mentioned, every pro does great and every pro does consistently over and over again. So it's these things that are essential and that you guys need to spend the most amount of time trying to copy and improve. Leave the stylistic things alone. And if you guys aren't sure which is which, just send me an email and I'll be happy to help you guys out. So Masa, hopefully that makes sense to you. And hopefully that's a a helpful answer to your question. Great question. And um, good luck continuing to improve that forehand. All right. Before we get going with our next question from a listener i want to remind you guys about the official sponsor of the essential tennis podcast and that is championship tennis tours you guys can find them at tennistours.com and they supply tickets and travel packages and accommodations to professional tennis tournaments all over the world whether you're into the wta or the atp either way these guys have tickets and, and packages to a lot of different tournaments all over the world, again, just about any place that you want to go. All the Grand Slams they have travel packages for. So thinking ahead to next season, if you guys are, are planning any trips out of the country or in your, in your own country, I know I've got listeners all over the place. So if you guys want to go to any of the Grand Slams or a lot of the ATP 1000 uh, series tournaments, definitely check their website out. And when you check out, make sure to use the promotional code ESSENTIAL and you'll receive a discount off your purchase and show Championship Tennis Tours that you appreciate their support of the Essential Tennis Podcast. 
So thank you, Championship Tennis Tours. I appreciate your, your sponsorship. And all of you guys listening, please go at least check them out and see what they have to offer. All right, next up, we've got some questions from Chris in Minnesota. He's a 2.5 player. Two different questions here. His first one is, in my matches, I have a tendency to start a set focused, but then start to lose focus when the score gets to around 2-2 two to two in the set, which allows my opponent to take the set easily from there. Any suggestions on how to keep my mind in the match and not be distracted by things like planes flying overhead, the people playing on other courts, and the pretty girls playing softball in the nearby field. (laughs) Well, Chris, you're a very honest guy. I appreciate that. (laughs) And trust me, I'm right there with you, man. It can be really tough uh, to keep your concentration. And this is a very, very common mistake. And it's a very costly mistake. As you've pointed out, uh, you kind of get into a set. You, I don't know if it's just because sometimes we get bored, we lose interest, um, or maybe we just get tired of keeping our mental focus up. It's very common to kind of let your guard down, but you absolutely must keep your focus on the task at hand if you want to be successful. And the task at hand, very simply, is winning. We're, we're there to win the match. That, that's why you're competing, is to see if you're going to win or lose against whatever opponent that you happen, happen to be playing that day. And the things that you have to be focused on to make sure that you are most successful and you do win the most amount of matches are things like what tactics that your opponent is using, your opponent's strengths, their weaknesses, what they're good at, what they're bad at. And you need to be conscious of your own game that day as well. What are you doing well? What are you not doing well? And basically what I just outlined is is tactics or strategy in a nutshell. You got to be aware of your own uh, strengths and weaknesses, your opponent's strengths and weaknesses. You have to realize what tactics that your opponent is using and then build your own game plan around all of that information. And if you're thinking about the girls playing softball next to the tennis courts, trust me, you're, you're not going to be aware of any of those things. And the chances of you winning that match decrease a ton because you're no longer focusing on what's most important and what's ultimately going to decide the outcome of the match. So how can you improve your match focus? I've got three different suggestions for you. And this is a really good topic Chris, and I'm looking forward to talking about all three of these different suggestions. Number one, have a set routine. Have a set pre-point kind of uh, group of actions that get you into a rhythm and keep your concentration. And I think a good player to watch as an example of this is Maria Sharapova. She, she has a very distinct and very set routine between points she'll she'll walk back uh towards the back wall uh of the court or back curtain or whatever you want to call it back fence uh of the courts after every single point as she does that her head is down she's looking at her strings and at this point she's gathering her concentration and her focus she's also thinking about what tactics she wants to use during the next point After she's done uh, thinking and gathering her concentration, she typically does kind of a couple little hops to kind of get herself moving physically and and get herself kind of pumped up and set. 
she'll turn around and then go and get either into her ready position to return serve or she'll go into her serve routine, which is a completely other, you know, completely different set of actions. You guys all know what her serve routine looks like. after I've seen Djokovic make fun of it a couple of years ago. Well, maybe not necessarily make fun of it, but copy it at least. So she has two different routines depending on whether she's serving or returning. And she repeats this before every point. Whether she won or lost the previous point, she will always repeat this routine. And this can help you keep your focus. It does not have to be complicated. In fact, the simpler the better. And I want you to come up with something like this, Chris, and stick to it and make it a habit. I, I think my favorite part, well, my, my two favorite parts of what Sharapova does are, number one, she turns her back to the court, kind of shuts everything out behind her, and then she puts her eyes down. And she looks at her strains, and she'll kind of you know mess with her strains. It's not because her strains have to be straight on the next point. In fact, if you look at them, they're usually straight to begin with. So it has nothing to do with straightening her strains. It's just a habit that she does to keep her eyes down so that they don't wander and she doesn't get distracted by anything else happening around the court. So come up with a couple of things like that and start to use them between every single point. Um, And a big part of that, again, is developing something that you can keep your eyes on inside the court at all times. So that's suggestion number one, Chris. Have a set routine. And I really suggest that you come up with one. Again, don't make it complicated. Make it simple. And make a part of that keeping your eyes inside of the court. Number two, suggestion number two for you. Make it a personal challenge. And this is my favorite one, personally. I'm extremely highly competitive. And so I love competing not only against other people, but myself as well. I love giving myself challenges and then trying to achieve them. And see, I love seeing how well I can do something. And so make a commitment to yourself that you will not be distracted, period. Make that decision before your matches start and tell yourself, you know what, no matter what happens today, I'm going to keep my mind on what's important. I'm going to keep my focus on the match and kind of make a a game out of it. And times in which there's something super obvious that's happening uh, and and would be easy to pay attention to besides your match, uh, whenever things like that happen, when when I'm playing, and like like you were talking about, you give the three examples of a plane flying overhead. I've definitely fallen for that one. Uh, People playing on other courts, I I think everybody listening has definitely taken their focus off of their own match and watched their teammates or, you know, other random people playing. Uh, Pretty girls, (laughs) that's not one that I'm faced with very often, but uh, it can definitely be a distraction. Uh, Other random things, you know, like yelling kids, you know, maybe running around uh, playing something else, maybe a crying baby, maybe somebody talking on a cell phone loudly right next to your court. Uh, Whenever there's something super obvious like that, maybe even teammates of my opponent actually heckling me and and actually cheering you know against me loudly at times that are maybe not even appropriate the more obvious and the more potentially distracting something can be i just kind of smile at those things and i think about you know what it could be really easy for me to to pay attention to that instead and to take take my focus off of the match and I, I kind of almost make a game out of it. 
and and I'll smile and say, "Wow, that could be really easy to a really easy thing for me to pay attention to and to break my focus." But you know what? I'm not going to do it, and I'm going to be that tough of a player today. And I enjoy trying to be as tough as possible. So take this approach to every mental challenge that you're faced with on the courts, and. Great athletes have an attitude always that they will overcome their obstacles no matter what they happen to be, whether it's a, a physical challenge or a mental challenge, uh, you know, a focus or concentration challenge like what we're talking about, no matter what, get in the habit of making it kind of a personal challenge for yourself to overcome things like this and do it. Start doing it consistently. Thirdly, on how to focus uh, better and keep your concentration Keep practicing. And this is just like any other skill in your tennis game. Great mental toughness does not happen overnight, nor does it happen the very first time that you try to do your best at it. It's a learned skill, and you have to keep working at it. So the first time you go and you try my suggestions, if, you know, let's say you you make it until three to three in the set, and then you lose your focus and lose, uh, lose the set, that's better. And keep practicing, keep working on it, keep putting yourself in competitive situations like this as often as possible so that you can practice your mental toughness and practice putting into play these suggestions that I'm giving you, uh, using the routine, making it a, a personal challenge to do a better job of staying focused. Go continue practicing doing these things and you will keep getting better at it. So Chris, great question. Hopefully this is helpful to you. All right, last question for today's show, and this one also comes to us from Chris in Minnesota. He wrote and said, I'm a 2.5 player, maybe a little better, playing in a 3.0 singles league. I have a pretty limited match experience, and I'm still working on a more consistent game, so I'm losing a lot of matches. In the long run, I know that getting a lot of match experience will help me, but in the short term, how do I avoid falling into a losing mindset? That's a good question, Chris. And it can be really tough to lose over and over again and not get dejected and not get frustrated and not start thinking, wow, is this really worth it? I'm working really hard at this, but I'm still not winning my matches. Um, and it seems like the main focus should be on your win and loss record, right? I mean, after all, isn't that really the top measure of your improvement is whether or not you're winning or losing your matches? And it seems like that could be logical, but please don't do that. Please don't make it the top, your top priority. And a big reason for that is, you know what? It doesn't matter how good you are. You could always lose a tennis match and it doesn't matter how good you play. There's always going to be somebody out there who's better than you. And so you can't put all of your eggs in that basket of, wow, if I, if I lose today's match, then I'm a failure. Because, I mean, the reality really could be that you could play at 100% of your potential wherever you're at right now, and whoever you played that day was just playing better for whatever reason. And so you can't always use that as the ultimate judge of your success. So what you should focus on instead. I've got five different things here that I want you to focus on instead of your win and loss record. Number one, the level of your strokes and the shots that you hit in general. If you see improvement consistently, and I'm not talking about huge improvements, but little things here and there. If your technique is getting better and the resulting shots that you're hitting are getting better, 
even if you lose, be happy about that. Be satisfied that you are seeing marked improvement in your strokes and in the shots that you hit. Number two, the level of your concentration and mental toughness, which we just talked about, uh, a specific area of that in your last question. If you're able to start being more focused and compete better due to your concentration, be happy about that. Even if you lose your matches, you can be satisfied with the fact that you did a better job in your focus and concentration. Number three, your general comfort level competing when it counts. This is a big one. And this is something that a lot of recreational tennis players uh, start off really poor at because they, they didn't grow up playing other sports and, and they didn't grow up in competitive environments. And it takes time to get comfortable competing in general. If you start feeling more at ease and more confident and in your competitive matches, uh, you're, you're just able to, to do things more naturally without worrying about it so much, then be happy about that. Number four, your ability to use tactics and strategy effectively. This is something that, again, if you didn't grow up in a competitive environment and playing other sports, doesn't come naturally to a lot of people. So if you're starting to be able to put together game plans more effectively, even just simple things, picking out your opponent's weaknesses and making them hit more of shots that they don't like, if you can do that more consistently, then be happy about that. Number five, uh, lastly, if your speed, quickness around the court and, and your, your general fitness level uh, becomes better as you continue to compete more and practice longer or harder, be happy about that. So every time you notice small improvements in any of these areas, be happy and be satisfied and uh, you know, celebrate a little bit. Give yourself uh, a little bit of a pat on the back and, and say, you know what? Nice job. Even if you lose those matches, tennis is so complicated and all of the things that I just listed, all five of those areas, they all have to be, be improved to reach your full potential. Don't expect to get a little bit better at any one of those areas and immediately just win all your matches, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or, or even win a lot more matches that you're playing. Um, so take a kind of an incremental approach to it. Um, don't take an all or nothing attitude or mindset and say to yourself, wow, if I, if I don't win today's match, I'm really just not getting any better. You, you have to look at it at kind of a macro level and look at all the, the small individual pieces that you're trying to improve and remember back. Wow. Remember three months ago when, I wasn't even able to play three sets without getting really tired or three months ago. Um, I, that would have totally passed me by. I wouldn't have even noticed that my opponent's backhand was weaker. I wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to put together that strategy. Take little successes like that and be content with that for now. Now, you know, several years from now, I do want you to be winning more matches for sure. I, I want you to be playing at a higher level. And so... All of these little things, they should start adding up and they should start resulting in better overall results. But until that starts happening, be patient and don't, <laughs> don't be too hard on yourself uh, if your win-loss record is not very impressive. Appreciate those baby steps, uh, you know, one small step at a time and make that your, your number one focus and be happy that you're making those improvements. So Chris... Thanks a lot for both of your questions. Hopefully these were helpful to you. It's 
Always my goal, of course, is to put information out there that's going to help you guys get better. So go implement these things and report back. I'd be curious to hear how it's how it's able to work out for you, and and hopefully these uh, suggestions are are able to help you improve the the level of your play. So Chris, thanks again, and good luck with everything that you're trying to improve. All right, that does it for episode number 135 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Thank you very much for listening to today's show. I really appreciate having you as a listener. And as I wrap things up here, I'm going to try to reward those of you who have listened through to the uh, to the end of the show here a little bit. I'm going to be launching a whole new section of EssentialTennis.com very soon, within the next uh, couple weeks, probably two or three weeks. And it's going to feature a new show. I'm going to be doing a whole other hour of instructional podcast audio every single week. It's going to also include video. And it's also going to include a live chat room. And you guys are going to be able to ask me questions or you know, follow-up questions on whatever I'm talking about live as I record the show. And I'm giving away more than I wanted to already. But uh, this section is going to be available within the next couple weeks. If you would like a sneak peek at this new section, at, at this new service, I've actually been doing it kind of secretly for the last, uh, I've already done 10, 10 episodes of this new show just for members of the forums at EssentialTennis.com. So there's something that you guys missed out on. If you're not a member of the forums already, definitely check out the forums at EssentialTennis.com. Well, if you would like to join them, and get a sneak peek and get a discounted rate. Uh, for those of you who contact me this week, send me an email to ian at essentialtennis.com. Tell me you're interested in my secret new show. And I will tell you guys how you can sign up and get a discounted rate before I make it available across the entire site and start really promoting it to everybody uh, and start making a big deal out of it here on the regular podcast and uh, across essentialtennis.com. As well. So send me an email, ian at essentialtennis.com. I'll tell you guys how you can get more information about that and how you can sign up. And um, this is really going to be geared mostly towards you guys who have really been helped by the show and would like even more. I'm going to start off at a full hour extra of instructional, instructional audio per week, and I'm probably going to increase it from there and start doing a couple of hours a week. And so you guys can really start getting even more out of the website and getting even more instructional uh, feedback and more personalized uh, feedback as well, since this is going to be a a membership type deal. Only members are going to be able to ask me questions to talk about on this show. All right. So that does it for this week. Thanks again, everybody, very much for your time. Thank you for listening. And I'll be talking to you guys again next week. Until then, take care and good luck with your tennis. Tennis.